Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. We're coming to you live right after LSU's win over Utah State, and we'll be covering that uh, along with some other topics. But before we get in into those things, uh, we just wanted to suggest to those of you that are not already listening that you're following us on Twitter, uh, please do so at Talking Tigs, no G in talking, and at uh, Talking Tigs podcast on Facebook. Uh, we are also on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, LSU has uh, just handled a potentially pesky out of conference foe uh, pretty handily, beating Utah State. 42 to 6. Uh, we can get into the different phases of the game in a bit, but overall, I, I thought LSU performed up to expectations, uh, at least offensively. Uh, you know, they, they scored 42. Uh, Joe Burrow had a, had a good day, uh, and defensively, you know, they you know it looked like there were some some big plays, but overall, I, I think they did really well, especially with the early on. Um, Turnover, turnover on downs right by the goal line, and then they held to a held to a field goal after LSU gave up that that short interception. So uh, I wanted to check in with you guys first before we get into that. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, doing good, Scott. Good to be here with you again. And uh, yeah, we're here. You know, on a, on a Saturday afternoon, Florida just scored in that uh, Florida Auburn game, and we're uh, just excited for another LSU win. Yeah, Tommy and I were at the LSU game today. It was very hot. We did not stay the whole time because we would have melted into a couple of puddles, but we're here back for the recap, so glad to see us get another win over a team that, if you go back into the Talking Tigs archive, we kind of labeled it as a potential trap game before the season even started, so glad we dodged that one in a good way. Yep, and uh, I'm, I'm playing through an injury right now. On my, I can already feel I'm considerably sunburned right now on my face, <laughs> so... Um, you know, I I think that I deserve uh, Player of the Week. And, and you'll podcast. get it. You'll get it. I'll, I'll talk to Verge Osbury about getting you uh, some sort of medal or something. Uh, but since you guys were at the game, uh, let, let's start with you. What were your overall impressions? It was an early game. Second time in two weeks that they had to do that. So how was it for them? But also, you know, how was it for you being in the stands? Um. So uh, I feel like, you know, the, the train moves on, and LSU is, uh, still looks good on offense, looks, I think, improved on defense. Um, they talked about how, uh, how Coach O had, had put in a few more uh, tackling drills and really, you know, worked, coached up the defense in the past uh, bye week. And I think that showed. Um, and, and also, it, you know, improved running game, too. We ran the ball real well, and, uh, you know, a lot of backs got some action. So... Um, I think this is a good tune-up game and to, to try different looks out. Something we talked about with Josh Lemoyne last week is, you know, expect to see some, some different looks because this is a game that you can, you know, f- afford to mess around in a little bit and still be, uh, still be uh, you know, a winning team. So I don't think you can pl- complain too much when, uh, when you beat a, a team by, you know, over 30 points. So, uh, you know, the train moves on, and now we can uh, kind of look forward to – uh, and scout out Florida um, for next week as they uh, as they're currently playing a, a top ten team in Auburn. Yeah, it was a real good win. 
we handled Jordan Love, Utah State's quarterback, who, as our friend Josh Lemoyne said on the podcast last week, is a potential first-round talent in the NFL. He did not look good, especially against our defense. He had no, no touchdowns, only 130 yards and three picks. So, yeah, three different players came down with an interception, including uh, Grant Delpit, his first of the season. After he, he got a little banged up at the beginning of the game and came back and made that play. So that's what you love to see from the veteran especially since he had been having a little bit of a down year so far. But, yeah, overall, just a good win in all the phases. Offense chugged along, and the defense really stepped up, uh, holding the Aggies' offense only to six. And, yeah, everybody kind of did what they needed to do as we tune up for the SEC gauntlet starting next week. Yeah, I would say uh, overall the offense, it, it you know, it, it kind of seemed sluggish at first, but – Eventually, it turned into what we we've seen it to be all season. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow had a good line: 27 of 38, 344 yards, five TDs, one interception. But uh, you know, when you look at that play, it it I don't know. You could say that was Darius Moss just not getting a, a grip on it. It could go either way. But I don't know if it was. You know, you couldn't put it on a bad decision. No, it's not like he threw it into double coverage or, or right. you know, the guy jumped the route. It was a, a kind of a freak play, and I, you know, it's not something I look at and say, oh, Joe Burrow's got some, he's he's got some trouble with uh, protecting the ball. Right, exactly. And uh, and as you guys said, the the rushing was was really good. They had over 240 40 yards as a team uh, with one TD, but still uh, something that we we've, we've talked about that they should probably improve before they get into SEC play, and it looks like they have. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Daniel, what would you say about about the offense uh, going against Utah State? Yeah, the offense, Justin Jefferson obviously had a really big day. Nine catches for 155 yards and two TDs. He led all the receivers by far in terms of yardage. Everybody else kind of stepped up. Thaddeus Moss had a good day, only 40 yards, but five catches and one touchdown. LSU was saying that they wanted to work the tight ends in a little bit more, and they did that. Derek Dillon as well had uh, four catches, including a touchdown. So that's a nice little wrinkle. One thing that I'd like to see a little bit of improvement on going forward and that we don't have quite nailed down yet is our offensive line play. They gave up uh, several sacks on Joe Burrow, especially early on in the game. And I know there's been some shuffling with Ed Ingram's back today, uh, Sadiq Charles was out, and then they moved Adrian McGee, I think, to left tackle instead of left guard. So if uh, we can just find our, our best five guys there and where they need to play, then hopefully they can develop the chemistry over the next couple weeks since that might be a little bit of a, a soft spot there. But, yeah, Joe Burrow, he found his spots. He didn't really look down, down the field too much early on, but uh, connected on a couple of big plays later in the game, especially to Justin Jefferson. So it's his usual self, 344 yards and five TDs. So about as good as you can ask there. And I, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I always think that that might have been a scheme choice, where you know it seemed like throughout the entire game, the the, <clears throat> the offense you know rolled on well and, and played well, but it looked like it was a, a different, um, you know, different objective going in to this game. You know, they definitely wanted to control the ball, um, run it. Play go off play action pass and kind of throw more mid range mid range shots instead of the you know the the streak uh, you know vertical uh, shots that we've seen kind of in some of the more high flying games that we play where we put up 50 60 points so I don't know if that's just you know we can just show in and and you know experimenting with different different ways of tempo and different ways of uh, of controlling the ball 
um, as we get into SEC play. And then, you know, expect, maybe expect to see a little bit of both or be able to switch in and out of, of those two different approaches uh, depending on the situation when we get into, you know, a real uh, – when we, when we need to play, you know, different types right. of offenses. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I totally agree with you. I think they are trying different things. And I, I think a lot of this uh, run-based stuff and just the short yardage passage stuff uh, is based on probably what they saw and what we talked about last week about – Alabama giving up over, you know, 200 and, what was it, 70 yards rushing to, to Ole Miss and their quarterback. So I, I think LSU was trying stuff. You know, I think Miles Brennan's, when he had to jump in there when Joe Burrow lost his helmet and had this outer play, uh, it looked like a design run. So Yeah, that was a uh, like a little a little uh, QB draw. I like that yeah. play. They ran that twice with Brennan. Um, once at that at that time you're talking about, and then once in the fourth quarter, and I think he he uh, got like ten yards on both runs. Um, yeah, so that's a and nice little a nice little wrinkle. Yeah, and you know Joe Joe Burrow was was active out of the pocket. He he ran for a few first downs. So I you know I thought that was interesting. I thought it was a kind of a tip to what they saw and thought, oh okay, uh, so you can possibly run against Alabama. Let's let's dr- start throwing that into the mix. Because, like you guys said, the you know it was a great day running. Uh, they they definitely passed the rock around a lot with the with the running. So uh, it could be that they're trying to to prep themselves for that November ninth game. Um, so going on from that, I would say you have to look at the the defensive side of it. And uh, coming in, you know, we talked last week with Josh about Jordan Love being a, a potential first rounder maybe even in the top 20. Uh, but I, I thought LSU handled him pretty well. The, uh, you know, the stats weren't great on him. He, he didn't have a touchdown, only interceptions to the count of three. Uh, so I, I thought they held, handled that pretty well. And uh, rushing as a team, they, they didn't do that great either. So um, what did you think about the defense? Uh, let's, let's start with you, Tommy. Uh, a good. I think this is a, an improve, a much improved uh, defensive performance, um, especially from our from our secondary. Uh, you know, three picks on the day against against what an expert like Josh Lemoyne says. You know, is a is a top talent. So you know, I don't know if he had an off day or or what, but you can't. Um, I don't think you can deny that that you know LSU's uh, LSU's pass defense had his number, and uh, I like seeing. You know, good plays by Patrick Queen. I think he had two or three tackles for loss, um, and, and so all around, I think it was a uh, you know a good performance by the defense, and, and it also uh, was proof uh, that you know maybe LSU is answering some of the questions that people have had throughout this season about um, about their defense, and kind of like we talked about last week with Josh Lemoyne, where uh, you know we were talking about what's the what's the issue. With the defense, is it is it just that they're on the field so much? May, you know, maybe Coach O and uh, Insminger and Joe Brady address that by saying, you know what, we're going to run the ball a little bit more, give our defense a little bit more of a rest, and so that way when they come out, they can be lights out. And uh, and the proof was in, you know, no touchdowns scored, three picks, uh, multiple sacks and and hurries, and uh, you know, multiple tackles for losses. Yeah, they, they did well, especially with the continued absence of a couple leaders in Rashard Lawrence and Glenn Logan and Michael Divinity. So everybody else stepped up. Uh, yeah, obviously three picks, 
between Carrie Vincent, uh, Derek Stingley pulled down another one, and then, like I mentioned before, with, uh, with Grant Delpit. And so that's real good. And another guy, Christian Fulton, didn't get his number called too many times, which is what you want as a cornerback. I think he had one pass he kind of gave up right at the very beginning, and other than that, held it down. So that's good for him. And kind of a few role swaps where they think he might be moving to uh, more of a nickel-type role, and Cordell Flott moved in. Flott, I think, got burned once, I saw. Or, yeah, yeah he did. I think the second quarter. But he, he did all right as a true freshman there, so it's good to have at least that third or fourth guy who can fill in where you need to. And then, of the, or yeah, are you going to mention the uh, the freshman phenom? Stingley <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, the Stingman. Yeah, Stingley had an amazing play right down in the corner of the end zone that we were at where he just turned around, backed up to the ball, and faded away, pulled it down right on top of the receiver into the, uh, I think, down on the one-yard line. But it's just a, a great athletic play, and can't I, wait to see I'm telling you, don't try to throw back shoulder on Derek Stingley. He tried it twice. First play of the game, uh, Jordan Love tries to throw it back, back shoulder uh, on Stingley. He actually overthrows him. Or, no, doesn't overthrow him, throws it in, uh, at, like, at a guy that he doesn't even turn around, the wide receiver. But then he throw back, tried to throw back shoulder on Stingley again in, uh, in the end zone, and you know what? He made him pay. That was a great, a great interception from number 24. Yeah, he was on top of the receiver like a wet blanket. Only a couple of receivers in the country would even maybe be able to fit that pass in there. So that's very good to see. Uh, that's about all I have on the defense, though. And then obviously hold up to zero touchdowns is, is a big improvement over last week when Vanderbilt put up 38 on them. They'll get a bigger test against Kyle Trask coming next week with Florida. Um, especially they got some good wide receivers, and we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, and uh, going back to that Stingley play, uh, I, I wanted to just point out that on that play, uh, it seemed with whatever Utah State called and how LSU responded, everything went towards the middle except for uh, the guy that Stingley was covering, and it seemed like that's what they wanted. So Utah, <laughs> wanted, Utah State wanted to test that. And and they did because he you know Stingley was out on an island but uh, you know he he caught it he, uh, he he defended the island basically so I I thought that was amazing and uh, just just at the top of the game the fact that they you know held Utah State out of the end zone twice and that's why it was seven to six early on and I thought ah oh, guys it's gonna be one of those games you know where LSU just kind of trudges through it and. Uh, you know, it, it's closer than it should be. But luckily they held at least those first two drives. And, you know, like we said, they, they didn't allow a touchdown, which is amazing, considering, uh, you know, this guy could go in the first round next year. Um, but as far as that goes, uh, you know, the special teams, not too much to, to report from there. Yeah, Kay York missed one field goal from 40-something, I think. 53. Oh, 53, never mind. So that's a long ways out. But he didn't really have much of a test other than the extra points, which he all converted on. Yeah, and not, no really uh, big returns or big big mistakes either, which which is good. But a uh, um, little moment where uh, Zach von Rosenberg kind of got a little, I don't know, Dinged up or dizzy, you know, whatever happened because he got yeah, kind of a scary injury. moment on that uh, on that roughing the punter. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I guess he he seemed fine. He walked off. Um, so you know, yeah. 
I think maybe you know, might might have been a little bit of a little bit of theater there to ensure ensure just leave no doubt that that penalty needs to be uh, needs to be called. Um, yes. It was a nice a nice for, uh, first down pickup for LSU that went on to uh, to lead to a score, I believe. So, you know, thanks for thanks to uh, Von Rosenberg for taking one for the team on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's a seasoned athlete, so. Uh, he'll definitely bounce back, and I know he'll take one for it. Just even if it's dramatics, you know, which you would want from a team. You you want a you want a, a Neymar type player or a LeBron player that's gonna, you know, fake one every now and then. Uh, I know Jamal Adams has done it before, and you know it's hokey. But then again, if if you can get away with it, uh, it's great because you know to me that's just that much more spirit the guy's putting into the game, and I, I, I'm all for it. I know that might work against LSU in the future, but uh, you know, to to each his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I want to kind of run down the the LSU news from the past week. There was a few like player things, and then plus uh, the team looking to schedule Southern, which would be a big move. Yeah, so so talking about the players, uh, we it looks like we lost one in Leonard Fournette. We have suspended one with uh, Ray Thornton, and we have we have one in limbo again with. Uh, Kenyon Jones in the transfer portal. So I, I don't know. Is this is this just business as usual in in Division One college football, or uh, you know, is it just these guys realizing, all right, well these these positions or my role is uh, is going on without me, and it's you know they're just doing what's best for them. Um. Well, I guess to start with Lar- with uh, Leonard Fournette, I. I mean, I hate to see it because you know, obviously Leonard did uh, did a lot for our program and Leonard too. Um, yeah. But I, I think that it's it's become evident that uh, you know, Elaire and uh, Emery and Price Davis are or Davis Price are all the um, they're the starters and uh, you know, Fournette as talented as he is, he's he's probably not going to get many carries. And I almost have a theory or a little a speculation that I wonder if there's some uh, some shakeup in the recruiting news to where you know Fournette might have thought uh, or might have found out you know what we might be getting a guy coming in next year uh, potentially maybe in a maybe in a guy like Zach Evans where I won't even get carries my senior year because we're just going to be so loaded with talent next year too so I don't know if that had anything to do with it maybe not probably not but. Um, either way, you know, I, I guess it, he just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm not really going to be able to contribute to this team, and, I, and he doesn't really want to continue with it. Yeah. yeah, you hit the nail on the head. As far as Ray Thornton, I don't think we really have much news, so we can only suspect it's something like disciplinary. But it would be nice to have him around, especially in the secondary where we don't have all the depth that maybe we would like or have had in the past. And the same thing with Keenan Jones, who I don't think he I ever even saw him step on the field, but just somebody for the future, the development. And, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of hit on it every week, but it's kind of the state of college football these days where players want to play now, and if they aren't really getting their way, then they'll look to find that elsewhere, even if it may yet be at a so-called lower-tier school. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, if, if any place, LSU you would think is the place where – you know, it, it could change from week to week because, you know, two weeks ago, Christian Fulton was our our guy opposite Derek Stingley. But over this past week, 
now it changed and they're, you know, inserting Cordell Flott into it, and now Christian Fulton is working more nickel. So, I, I don't know, you, uh, it, it, it could be something that we just know nothing about, and it's this player's decision. So, you know, you have to respect it, but it's uh, it's all the, all the minutiae, I guess, of college football. But, yeah, I was sorry to see Leonard go, because uh, I, I guess I, I was sold on the fact that it, it would be his breakout year. Um, as has been the case with other LSU backs in their senior year, but I guess not. Right. And then I just wanted to mention that thing I, I briefly hit on before, that LSU is looking to schedule against Southern University uh, in the next couple of years in football. I think they said maybe before 2023. And so for maybe some of our listeners from outside, Southern University is a historically black college here in Baton Rouge. So that's, and they have never played in college football, LSU and Southern. So that would be a huge game really for Baton Rouge and the whole area around. Maybe not necessarily competitively, LSU would obviously have the upper hand there, but just for the event itself and just Southern can show off what they have and the culture, kind of the crosstown rivalry. Everybody would love to come out and see that. So I think that would be something that would be really neat if we could bring around. Yeah. That's about all there is to say on that. <laughs> and, and that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so um, just looking around the, the country right now, I know there's some, some games still in progress, but, jeez, uh, uh, I, I know Michigan – Beat Iowa. That was one of the top 25 matchups, but 10 to 3 did not look that incredible. I know Texas Tech beat Oklahoma State. Uh, Wisconsin rolled. Uh, oh. Jonathan Taylor, I think, is going to be a, uh, a Heisman candidate. He had he had five TDs. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, one one year too late, right, Daniel? <laughs> Me and Daniel had a had a Jonathan Taylor Heisman ticket last year. Uh, it didn't work out for us. <laughs> Oh. oh well, well, you should have you should have redoubled or doubled down on it. I know. Uh, Wanted to give but, a shout uh, out to my Tulane Green Wave beating Army today to improve to four and one, probably second best team uh, in Louisiana, I guess you could say. And they may or may not be ranked after this season, but I'd like to see that. And then, yeah, Florida's playing Auburn as we speak. Florida's up seven to three, so that'll probably be a close one that keeps the scoring low down to the end. And that's a big game to watch as LSU fans, obviously, with Florida coming in next week and then Auburn a few after that. Yeah, and some other uh, interesting LSU-related notes. Uh, Texas is tied on the road with West Virginia, 7-7. Seven seven, and uh, Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because that's, that's a different West Virginia team. Dana Holgerson's at Houston now. And uh, Oklahoma, they beat Kansas, but it was 45-20. to 20. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Fighting Mad Hatters had a pretty good performance. Their QB, you know, he threw for three TDs. Puka, Puka Williams, who was actually an LSU recruit, you know, he ran it for uh, 137 yards. So it, it was a pretty good performance. I know Kansas is not back yet at all, uh, but... Still a, a good performance. Les Miles is at least breathing some life into that program. So good for them. Yeah, I mean, I think any time you keep it you know, relatively close with, uh, with Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma team, you know, you, that's some, there's something to be said for that because, you know, usually they're, they're blowing people out of water by 50, 60, 70 points. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, the, um, but this, uh, you know, I, I heard some people talking about this Texas uh, West Virginia game, saying it was a trap game for Texas. So I'll be interested to see, you know, how this uh, if if the Longhorns will pull ahead. Yeah, because they got Oklahoma next week, which is a Big Twelve matchup. Everybody's been waiting to see. So they're looking looking a little bit ahead to that one. That and, and a Texas loss here would be a big shakeup. Um, you know, that pretty much. That that puts a nail in their coffin, and then if they were to end up beating Oklahoma, although Texas continuing to win is good for us, like if we it stre- yeah it strengthens our win- it strengthens our win against Texas definitely. But um, but like I said over a couple of podcasts now, uh, the different the different machinations and combinations of losses here, and this team A loses and this team wins, and then oh wait, but that you know we thought that team was good. Uh, you know, a lot can happen. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a, a lottery of uh, of wins and losses when it comes down to the end. Yeah. And uh, speaking of nails in the coffin, uh, this was actually a, a game yesterday. Uh, Cincinnati and UCF. Um, the Bearcats uh, upended the UCF Knights and ended their national title hopes. I think. Uh, I, I don't think they can recover since they're four and two now. But yeah, uh, the two-loss UCF team coming out of the AAC, uh, the Power Six conference. Are you aware of this, Scott? Have you, see, have you seen their uh, their P6 stickers? Oh, please indulge me. I, I saw this last night. And I pointed it out to Tommy where UCF and Cincinnati as well. They had these stickers. Um, on the back of their helmet underneath the AAC American Athletic Conference logo, which has a P6, and so it's a reference to the, the so-called Power Five, which is SEC, a- ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and then there's the Group of Five, all the others, including the AAC. But so they seem to be trying to assert themselves into the top level of college football, saying that they're worthy of becoming a power conference, which they've got some <laughs> decent teams, but... I don't know if they can rumble with the likes of the SEC or the Big Ten week after week. Yeah. Isn't this uh, the equivalent of UCF claiming a national title? Now they're claiming a a power conference level or something? It it almost, almost, uh, you know, when I saw that, I thought to myself, well, first of all, I thought, you know, when UCF claimed the national title, we all thought that was ridiculous. But that's one school doing it. But it seems to me that, that uh, this AAC is almost, has almost created a culture of, of you know, over, overselling themselves to the point of just, uh, of just hilarity. I mean, it, it's pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, this Power Six conference, I watched that game last night, had a little bit of action on that game last night, left a lot to be desired. Um, so, yeah, UCF will not continue their, their run of uh, uh, their dynasty, as they probably call it. And, right. uh, <laughs> and Cincinnati and, and, US, and U, uh, UCF and the rest of the AAC can, can fade off into obscurity. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just just add on that, the, uh, the, as you said, that conference. Uh, I, I think it was a few years ago, I don't know if you remember this, there was a supposed rivalry created by... I think UConn and USF. They'd created this countdown clock in their locker room to the rivalry. And I think it was USF. And they said, what rivalry? What, what are you guys talking about? I think, do you guys remember that at all? 
Uh, I don't I don't know exactly. So like USF so South, South Florida versus I, I remember that for sure, Scott. UConn. You do? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. One side said, "Yeah, we're gonna see you in three hundred and something days, and you know whatever hours." And <laughs> USF says, "What are you talking about? We, like, who are we you? We have a rivalry." <laughs> yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah, now that uh, uh, yeah, just like you said, that conference is uh, it's a, it's a little silly. It's a little silly. Uh, but anyway, um. Do you guys have any more thoughts? Because uh, everything's kind of stable right now. You know, Florida's still up on Auburn seven to three. Uh, no movement there. Uh, Texas still up seven to se- or tied seven to seven to West Virginia. So, well, Bo Nix is uh, he's leading them down the field. They're about to be knocking on the door. They're on the thirty. Up okay. now, about twenty-five. So, I, I looks like Auburn is at least you know they're they're close to scoring right now. Right. Um. Yeah, not, I think I think Auburn wins the game. What do you think? You think so, Daniel? That, let's see what I would think. Um, but yeah, we'll find out in a short while whether we're going to be taking on an undefeated Florida, which may bring College Game Day to town. I don't know who else is the big. Oh, I guess the other big matchup is Oklahoma versus Texas. I so, bet I bet they'll take. So that Florida's one. undefeated against LSU, and then you got Oklahoma Texas. I don't know who they would pick there because LSU and Texas have both already been on Game Day this year in that get game LSU versus Texas. But has Oklahoma been on game day yet? They have not. Is the, is the Oklahoma game being played at Texas or at old Oklahoma? It's the uh, Red River rivalry. It's at the, it's uh, the it's Cotton Bowl. Oh, oh, it's yeah. the Cotton Bowl? Yeah. yeah, I think it's the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, you know, the, the Texas State Fair every year. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right, you're right. Um, so I would think they would go there. Yeah, right? they'll go to that one, I bet. Because it's like, they, they like, they, I think they go Plus to that they went one. to the SEC, they went to Florida this today, week, yeah, so yeah, they can't go Florida back to back, but still, either way, that's a a huge game. We might, maybe we'll get. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get SEC whatever the thing is with Feinbaum, right? SEC, SEC Nation, or it's like the knockoff game day. Feinbaum yeah. and Tebow and Marcus Spears, yeah, they all come. Sure. Um, uh, so we'll we'll see if there's any movement in these games. But really quickly, I wanted to get into uh, this this law that was passed this past week in California, and it had to deal with uh, the college athlete fair pay to play is what they were calling it. So California passed this law that, uh, not anytime soon, I think it was 2023, is going to allow athletes to seek representation with agents and to make, you know, basically uh, uh, endorsement money off of their likeness, talents, whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think this could be uh, something to, to definitely keep an eye on. It, it could uh, could make waves. It could fracture the NCAA. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to see what you guys think because uh, you know I, I think they set a date way ahead of time just to see how the NCAA might respond, uh, which I think we would all like to see because you know if if, if there's one region of the country that's allowing players to make money, uh, you know what's to say that everything wouldn't shift that way. So what, what say you guys? Well, um, I think that, you know, the NCAA already made it, made a statement about it, that um, this is, you know, that they're, I think they're, they said they're reviewing the situation or, gonna, you know, going to look into it, but this is kind of against the spirit of, of college athletics that they, are, they you know, it would like to promote. Um, 
I, th- I, I think, you know, we talked about it before, and, I, you know, I kind of stand by my, my opinion that I've had for a while where I, I definitely think that they should be able to make money off their likeness. Um, like, I, I, there was a, a story of uh, Johnny Manziel was talking about how if, so, you know, a student, a friend of his comes up and says, hey, can you sign my, my Sports Illustrated magazine? And he signs it. He can go sell it on eBay. But if Johnny Manziel signs his own Sports Illustrated magazine and sells it on eBay, he can't play. So I, def- I definitely think that, there, that there's uh, room for, you know, room for compromise to where you could, you know, I don't, I'm not as far on the, la- on the, the issue as far as, uh, you know, giving a salary to players or, uh, or um, doing away with scholarships altogether and making it all just cash money or something like that. Um, but I also think that, you know, you should be able to make money out, uh, make money as a, off of your talent in the same way that, you know, I as a college student or Daniel as a college student or, you know, you as a college, college student can and, and probably did. Um, so I guess we'll see how, you know, this goes into practice and if the, uh, if the NCAA, um, sticks to their guns, like they said a while ago that they, you know, that some of these, these California teams might not be able to compete. I, I don't think that would happen. I feel like there would be some sort of compromise. But um, especially with they've, – they've said that multiple states are looking at, um, you know, laws similar to this and following California's lead. So it's definitely something to monitor, and it could definitely change the landscape of college athletics in general. But there's a lot of um, – when you actually start thinking about how it works, as, uh, how it works with – specifically public institutions and Title IX and, uh, and athletic programs, because we think about it just in, in terms of football. But, you know, can the, can the volleyball player, uh, you know, does, is the volleyball player going to get paid the same amount as Joe Burrow? And then if, if they don't, then you run into Title IX issues. Um, as, as college athletics are set up right now, you would run into, you know, uh, Title IX issues of, of representation. So there's a lot of things that have to be, you know, hammered out. But, um, you know, I think it's a good – I guess it's a good step to go ahead and start this um, because, you know, they, they, they definitely need – something needs to be done. Yeah, it's obviously a really complicated issue with a whole lot of ways to look at it, like you said, Tommy. And then I think it will eventually happen that college players are going to get paid – more in some way and then I couldn't even tell you what that's going to look like but it'll happen probably within the next 10 years although you say that's not really a very immediate timeline it's been this way forever so the next 10 years is not that far and then so we don't really know whether it's going to be through endorsements like all the players can figure out what they want to do by themselves obviously that's going to be leaning more towards star heavy or like you said if the university just takes all the revenue splits it evenly and gives it to all the scholarship athletes or if they kind of split it up on a per-sport basis. So then, like you said, the football team would be getting a whole ton, and the women's swimming and diving team would be getting pennies on the dollar. But they'll figure out something, and I think not very many people are going to be happy when it happens. As weird as it is to say, because no matter who gets benefited, there's going to be a whole big group on the other side that's saying this is not the way we want to do it or have done it in the past and it'll take definitely some getting used to but eventually I think that's what we're moving towards as a, a football community. Well, it's and definitely as I said, that Auburn muscle punt against Florida so that's terrible for them. 
down the ball. Um, <laughs> it's just uh, like, uh, I think it's a lot like the playoff situation where, you know, everybody begs for a playoff. Everybody, oh, we, we, this, is, this BCS thing is terrible. It's not any good. And then, you know, then they, they give you what you want. They give you the playoff, and now everybody, you know, oh, well, it's, not, it's flawed. It's not right. It's eight, it needs to be eight teams. It's four teams. No, it needs to be 12 teams. So, it, you know, it's something that it's inevitable in, in, a certain, in certain respects. But, you know, even, even as far as um, the endorsement deals, you know, like being able to sign a deal with Nike or being able to sign a deal with Adidas or whatever, well, you know, LSU, LSU has a huge deal with, with Nike already. So... You know how would how would you navigate uh, Joe Burrow if if Adidas wants to sign Joe Burrow, but Nike is is uh, you know already has the whole LSU contract. So it's not as I don't it's it's clearly not as clear cut as um, you know e- e- the way that the NFL does it or the way that Major League Baseball does it or anything like that. Um, I think I like like I said before I think the simplest way is to just allow players to be able to make make money off their likeness or their own personal brand, and then and then divvy. And then I would also I would also I I like the idea of divvying up proceeds of the um, proceeds of the program or proceeds of you know uh, like that. Like if they were to make the new if they were to make an NCAA video game, you know proceeds of that likeness go to the to the whole team um, in, uh, you know equally. But again, it's going to be a uh, one heck of an issue to to uh, to navigate through. Uh, definitely, definitely. And uh, I, I would add to to what you guys said that um, you know it, it could be equal distribution, but it, it could be a distribution in another way. And I was listening to this um, podcast this week. It was called On Point. Uh, I heard it on NPR, I believe, and they were talking about this whole pay-to-play, and they had, had this athlete on that uh, had played basketball, um, and now he was like a the head of this UCLA law review, and they were talking with some other people about you know what it does with the sport. Um, but locally, what it does is instead of looking at it like oh this one player is benefiting, it's you know let's say it was a Mondo Duplantis and you know he's going to be regionally known because of his brother but also because of his own feats but you know let's say that Nike just saw him as like the next big track star and they put all this money into him and he had a contract for endorsements and there are all these you know billboards around LSU which you know there's no strangers to billboards being up around Baton Rouge to support local sports but um, you know what if that just increased the track attendance revenue, you know, by like tenfold or something. You know, it's like all the other athletes would benefit from that with the support and the program itself would. So they're, you know, they could look at it as that way also. Uh, there was, it started with some uh, swimmer from Stanford, I, I think was the example they gave on this podcast. She was like basically the Michael Phelps of uh, college swimming. But anyway, um, you know, they, there's that aspect of it too. And, you know, had Ben Simmons stayed around longer, or if he was allowed to uh, profit from it, who knows? You know, maybe that would have been bigger than it was. So there's all that to look at too. But um, the big issue is that it's only going to benefit the guys that are going to go pro anyway. I think. You know, it's like 98% of athletes are not going to uh, make a profession in the sport that they're at this school for. 
So, like, if they allowed people to get paid, the only ones that potentially would get paid are the ones who are going to go pro anyway, you know? Yeah, and, and so it's not really um, – no, you're right. Like, the, the whole market dynamics of it, I think that it almost, it almost seems like you might be, uh, be careful what you wish for because the argument's always made for, college, for paying the players is, oh, well – you know, the second string or the third string guy, he, he is always practicing. He's always doing this. He's always doing that. And he doesn't have time to have a, have a full-time job, which is true. Like, these players do not have time to do anything other than school and football. But if you, you know, kind of throw them out in the market and see, you know, how, what, what is, uh, what's Jacoby Stevens' you know, value, to, value to Nike or value to Adidas? I would guess it's probably not, you know, as much as, as – much as, uh, or even, or you know, not to not to name names, but just any any player that's not Grant Delpit, Derek Stingley, and Joe Burrow, you know, they're probably not going to be really highly paid in college. So, you know, I think you're right that it it really would only only um, benefit the stars, and then the stars are going to go to the NFL anyway, so they're going to get their check. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't really have too much more on that right now, but. We'll have to see how it plays out. It's, you know, like I said before, we'll nobody really knows what it's going to look like. There's going to be a lot of kind of warring fashions. We'll see. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see what the NCA, NCAA, is going to say in response to this. You know, how they respond to this because, you know, if they don't or if they respond in a way that, you know, is not, uh, I don't know, not not playing to across the board. Uh, they, you know, it, it could fracture them a little bit. Because imagine, you know, the, think of all the athletes that have left their own hometown where they themselves had made a name uh, and they transferred to, say, IMG Academy in Florida just because of, you know, the allure of that program. You know, it, it's, <laughs> you know, they still had to sign on with a, a, a college program after that. But just you imagine that. So imagine how many players would go out to California to play in their own uh, college athletic association because they could get played. You know, that would totally change the landscape, especially among, uh, you know, college conferences. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I don't know if, you, I don't know if the California would really have a, have a, uh, for, for these top competitors, I still think that, they would they would probably stay within the normal NCAA program if we were just basically excluding, you know, California, because I, the when you think about it, if if all these California teams were just going to play each other, and you know who are the who are the real heavy hitters other than maybe USC and Stanford and and Cal and UCLA, and even still those teams are incredible. So, I guess you know I think I think it would end up being more like. Uh, how you know one or two once a year or, or you know every other year, one or two of the top um, basketball talents out of high school will choose to go to uh, Spain or you know wherever uh, Australia or you know overseas to to pay uh, to play um, to play you know professionally as, as they develop to go to the NBA. I think that it would probably be that. I don't I don't think that it would just turn into some. Uh, you know, juggernaut conference, almost like a, uh, uh, you know, semi-pro, semi-pro league that happens to be associated with a college. 
Yeah, I would say, I would say it wouldn't it wouldn't be that either. I, I think it would more be along the lines of some just uh, external uh, rendition of the NCAA, kind of like how the XFL was to the NFL. You know, just kind of like the anti-NFL in some ways. But think about this, though. What if Leonard Fournette, you know, with his whole Booger Nation line, which he had to suspend while he was in college, but, you know, what if, if, if there was some school in California like USC, UCLA, uh, I don't know about Stanford, but, you know, Cal, somebody like that, where they could get him a, you know, a full ride plus endorsements or whatever, you know, but also, you know, his family could benefit from the, the clothing line, and they wouldn't have to suspend that. I think that's how it would change the landscape, was these guys that could benefit off their own name and saw that avenue, uh, you know, that that might be their their best option. Because a lot of these guys make these decisions not just for themselves, you know, but for their family. That's what they say when they declare for the NFL. I'm doing what's best for my family. So I, I think they would just be moving that decision further up the timeline as opposed to, you know, where they declare for the NFL draft versus whether they're going to go play for money in California, you know? Yeah, but, but do you think that... Um, see, I think, I think this is almost like a, a, an issue of uh, almost like time value of money where I, I, almost, I think that the money that they could make, the money that you make by, by going to a top SEC program and having that and basically letting a college team, a college program develop you for four or for two, three, four years um, and for free, you know, generally for free. You're not paying to play there. Uh, the value that you will get out of that in turn when you, when you go into the NFL is more than you'll make off of T-shirts or, you know, building, some, building a brand. And I guess you could argue, well, with like a generational talent like Leonard Fournette, you know, he'll be Leonard Fournette whether he's at – whether he's playing for UCLA, UC Santa Barbara, LSU, or, or you know, Stony Brook. But I do think that there's, um, there's a lot of value for these athletes in the, in the time that they spend in college developing their talent with the, some of the top coaches in the country and all that, and also just in the brand themselves. You know, I don't, there's a lot of good players that come through and a lot of really talented players that come through smaller schools and they end up being, you know, really good NFL players, but they don't have the brand that, that Leonard Fournette has, and I think Leonard Fournette's a household name nationally because he wore that LSU on his jersey. Right. Uh, no, I, I, would, I would agree with that, but I would say that, uh, uh, you know, it's up for these, these players to decide because, you know, not everyone, just because they are that guy doesn't mean that they're going to, definitely make it you know like what if if ryan leaf was allowed to be the one that you know capitalized you know his his success in the nfl didn't exactly translate so i think it's you know it's uh it's kind of like you know plays that are drafted anyway it's 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 hit or miss you don't know until they're in that situation so i think it comes down to whether you know they just want to allow players to benefit because you know right now it's athletes are the only ones that are not allowed on scholarship to to benefit from their own talent, whereas academic scholars and artistic scholars are allowed to. So I think that's a discrepancy that, that should be addressed because you know it, it should be the same across the board. Um, otherwise, you do get into this gray area whether or not you're looking at 
sports is some sort of, I don't know, um, I don't even know how to say it, like indentured servitude or something. You know, it's just, it's not as, as free will as, as the other programs on, on campus. Yeah, I guess I can see that. Um, Y'all got anything else on the the pay-to-play stuff? I know we'll probably revisit that again in the future, but... Yeah, I'm sure that'll be a topic for the, for the, for the rest of the season and moving on into the future. Um, right now we got Florida coming up in one week, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Death Valley, so I'll definitely be looking forward to that at least. Yeah, and uh, you know it's still seven to six, Florida. They're about to start the second quarter. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't been able to watch it because I've been, you know, talking with you guys and, uh, and and keeping track of LSU stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what. Ha- oh, actually, Florida just scored. Yeah, uh, they just scored. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Uh, well, I'd be I'd be surprised if Florida wins this game because I really thought Auburn was the stronger team and maybe Florida just got by because of their schedule, but. You know, if Florida pulled this out, I, you know, I, I guess uh, that would make me look at Auburn differently and Florida differently. But still, don't know that Florida would uh, be able to come into Tiger Stadium next week and and beat LSU. But we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess just, I, I mean we'll be keeping an eye on Florida, and uh, I'm excited for that game. A little bit nervous, but uh, I think that I think that LSU's pretty much been head and shoulders above. You know, I think LSU, Alabama, are uh, and Georgia are the class of the LSU, right? I mean, the class of the SEC right now, and uh, Auburn and Florida kind of, you know, there's a drop off and then they're right there. So, um, and I, th- I think LSU will be prepared and they're not going to take uh, take this game lightly. So, you know, I think as we look forward to next week and maybe maybe we'll wrap it up with this, but as we look forward to next week, I expect uh, LSU to have a have a a successful. Uh, Saturday night in Death Valley, and uh, I expect to be, you know, celebrating a uh, a win with y'all on the podcast next week. I sure hope so. Amen to that, and uh, I would only add a Go Tigers to the end of that, and uh, that'll do it for us for this week on Talking Tigs. Uh, tune in next week; we'll have the Florida game for you, and any other news that is goes along with uh, you know with the SEC or the NCAA in general. Uh, so tune in for us then, and uh, we'll see you next time on the talk to you.